Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. And as I keep saying tonight, it's Stephen LeDrew on Global News Radio. We are uh, going into Counterpoint. Usually I'm one of the contestants, but no, I'm organizing this tonight. And it's brought to you by Peaceville.ca. Pizzaville, 416-736-3636. Great pizzas. We're joined now by in the studio by Dan McTague, who was a member of Parliament when the Liberal Party was a political organization. And we're also joined by Anthony Fury, uh, who is a member of The Sun. He keeps The Sun going along with his fabulous, um, uh, his fabulous columns. And uh, he's a man of good sense. Well, they're both men of good sense. So let's just talk about what the day uh, brought yesterday. 40 days and 40 nights. Biblical proportions. We had the kickoff. And uh, let's start with you first, Anthony, because you're on the phone. Uh, Who stood out in that kickoff in your mind? Well, I can tell you, I I had the debate on the television just a moment ago, and I thought, please, someone call a buddy can give me. Maybe Ledrew can call me. We can shoot the breeze because something's <laughs> got to save me from this. Because boy, this is boring. So no one's standing out in this thing uh, right now. And who stood out yesterday? You know, tough question because they wanted to do pretty boilerplate stuff, but the best laid plans of all sorts of political strategists go awry when when events get in the way, and then laugh scam. Uh, dropped immediately. Yep. So I, I mean, I think Justin Trudeau is is there. He's he's defiant. He's he's good in fighting form. It doesn't change the fact that the RCMP are poking around and he should be waving cabinet confidences. So maybe we do have obstruction of justice there. But he does. Do you think he performed well yesterday, Anthony? I, I saw it. I thought he was. I got heck for saying this before, but I'll say it again: flatter and piss on a plate. Well, I mean, their 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 performances yesterday were not particularly ones that uh, they were very kind of localized performances to the particular writings and areas where they wanted uh, to have their launches. So yeah. you know, were they were they doing national events? You know, I don't really know. I think the guy Jagmeet Singh is the one who should be defying expectations because the expectations are so, so low. And did he? He were for Trudeau in 2015, and, and he did not. He's still kind of sputtering along. And, you know, everybody likes a comeback story, and, and Jack Layton, Tom Mulcair, I mean, they really took the NDP to uh, impressive uh, heights. I don't think we're going to see it this time. So, I mean, Sheer and Trudeau are still kind of there. They're in the ring. They got their, their dukes up. Jagmeet? I don't know. That's the underperformer. We're going to come back to those two, but uh, let's just be in Dan McTague on this one. Uh, some people have said that they thought that uh, Jagmeet did a, a very credible job. He looked, he looked, uh, he had energy. It was a good speech and it sort of is very Canadian to see him coming out of the bus with his wife. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was refreshing. Um, I don't think anyone really stood out. Uh, the fact is that uh, I agree with Anthony. Uh, this is the NDP has a lot uh, to, to lose oh. here. And it, it, that is uh, something that I think I'm sure 
our liberals are calculating on, salivating over, because it's probably the only thing that's going to keep them in the game uh, if they uh, they plan to do well. In 2011, of course, it was a different matter. Uh, it was the other way around. The NDP but it's not an issue to keep the liberals in the game. Everybody in town and yeah. across this country tells me the liberals are going to win it. It's in the bag. I'll have something the other night. I have a bunch of NDP there. They say, oh, well, you know, liberals have got it. Well, it depends who you're asking, and it uh, depends who's getting paid to uh, provide those kind of polls. <laughs> I mean, I know a couple of guys. Some of them were my campaign managers. Uh, so, no, look, I, I got to tell you, I think think this is going to be a much different race at the end than it is uh, right now. It's, it's slow, so, it's dull, it's the way it begins. I don't think people are going to make up the decision up? until uh, Thanksgiving. How's it going to get fired up? I think it's going to fire SNC. I think SNC is going to come right back in. I'm waiting for Judy Raybould's uh, book to come out on the 27th. Uh, I suspect that we're going to have some pretty bad economic news uh, coming in the next month. Uh, they won't be able to sugarcoat that. And I suspect that you're going to see a little bit more in the way of people saying, hey, what does this mean for my pocketbook? Because affordability is the issue of this campaign. Well, I mean, that is the issue right now. And Anthony, um, the Tories are doing it. They're saying that Trudeau is not competent and that we are and that uh, it is going to be a pocketbook um, campaign. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, pocketbook in, in the micro issues. Yep. I mean, I don't want to hear about boutique niche tax credits. Those drive me nuts no matter who's introduced. They worked for them. Harper, though. When he had a yeah. tax credit for his for hockey equipment, people across the country loved it. I know they work for him. I just I just don't like that stuff at all. I'd rather oh. simple, simplify the tax code, uh, reduce the rates generally. But I will say on the macro issues, uh, things that I, I know, you know, we all talk about a lot. Bill C sixty nine, not being able to get the oil to market. You know, this thing that you go to the pumps and you're you're putting Saudi Arabia oil uh, in your car, even when uh, Canada is having a spat with the Saudis, and you go, okay, my you know my cousins out there working in the oil sands. Wait a second, I I can't get Alberta Chinese oil in steel my car at the pumps. Yeah. yeah, no Chinese steel. I mean, the stuff with China that should be the big stuff. And quite frankly. These are these are existential issues. Is it going to be big stuff, though? You know, I, I mean, I, I've been hearing this for years and years and years. And some people, Dan, are saying, well, Canadians, you know what? We'll just sort of let it go. Yeah, I think the unemployment situation is shaky in Canada right now. When you say you've got 81,000 new jobs and 57,000 of them, or 71%, happen to be part-time, that's nothing to cheer about. Uh, when you start seeing manufacturing... Are people unhappy? I think people are generally concerned and nervous, and they think that they're probably a lot... The old the old adage, do you feel better today than you did four years ago? Yeah. I think a good number of people say, no, I don't feel a lot better than I did four years ago. I'm more nervous. So and that, maybe external factors as well. But it also comes down to competence and leadership. And I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, the current incumbent has been lacking. So then, Anthony, do you think that uh, Canadians will remember this in, in 39 days, or is it going to be growing, this this disquiet with, uh, with Trudeau? Because right now, he's very good in the polls. Well, things happen psychologically in odd ways during election campaigns that are kind of different than than regular time. We have our main issues that we're talking about, you know, the macroeconomic stuff, the oil sands dealing with China and so forth. I mean, those are the big picture issues right now. And of course, the budget and so forth. Uh, And then weird things happen. Like in 2015, it was generally between Stephen Harper and Tom Mulcair, which one of them would be prime minister. And then odd things happened around Syrian refugees and and some rather uh, upsetting pictures of bodies washing up on shores. And then that suddenly became this curveball issue. And we went went on going on about that. And then Justin Trudeau said, I'm going to plunge us into deficit. And it was somehow this kind of like brave and different and new thing because we couldn't differentiate Mulcair and and Harper from each other on that. And that was all very odd stuff to select a prime minister based on on those kind of sidebar issues. 
it was a very strange thing, and, and I think something like that could certainly happen. It could be the latest developments in lab scam, as, as Dan alludes to, maybe Jody Wilson-Raybould. I mean, she's releasing a book. There's probably got to be something new in that book. Maybe the stuff she's been telling the RCMP in her recent sit-downs is going to be in that book, and then that's the curveball. It could be something totally different that happens around the world that uh, that the, the seed hasn't even been planted so, yet. So it's, it's, it's going to be determined by events, is what uh, you're both saying, and if there are... If there's some event that we cannot foresee, uh, either a gaffe or something else happening around the world, that could be a big deal. Barring that, though, it could be a sleeper. Well, sleeper, but I think there are people out there that have uh, good reason to be uh, less excited than they were in 2015. Um, you know, if I look at the Maritimes, I don't think the Liberals are going to sweep it again. Uh, there are several seats that I think are going to flip this time. They'll go Conservative. Right. Uh, some are suggesting the NDP will lose support in Quebec and those will go liberal. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, uh, oh, and the block could come back and come back. The blo- to yeah, and the, and, uh, no, the question is, is the block, are the Green, the block and the NDP any different when it comes to forming a government down the road? We'll talk about that after the 21st. But the reality, I think, is I think the Conservatives are in a much better position to gain seats given the solid number that they have right now. It's the Liberals, really, who uh, are going to have to do a lot of skating to hold on to what they have. I remember, I just want to go back to what Anthony said about uh, the Prime Minister, sorry, Trudeau's announcement in the last election that he was going to be uh, a big spender. <laughs> and uh, he went, the story is, he went back to his home that night and spoke to uh, Sophie, his uh, bride, and said, I think I just won the election. And she said, how? <laughs> how? He said, well, I, this is what I said today, and it is going to be big, mm. and it's going to win the election. And you know what? He was right. Well, I mean, look, I was right about that. Not right to do it. Yeah, governments tend to lose time. I mean, there's a little bit of interest in what uh, Trudeau was saying. He's the man that was going to change things. I think that's where the disappointment comes. Is if you speak to most people who don't have a lot of you know interest in politics the way we all do here, they're going to say, hey, you know, he didn't measure up to everything he said he was going to do. Uh, on the other hand, we are concerned about his treatment. Uh, he said he would be, uh, uh, you know, the penultimate feminist. Uh, there have been there have been scandals around that. There have been real concern. I think the Judy Wilson Raybould uh, kicking out of Jane uh, Philpott. Uh, I think those events really stick to people who are saying, you know, I voted for him really on a a particular basis, and I'm not finding that the reasons for my voting for him in 2015 can be justified again. I'm looking, and it may be a question of plugging their nose. Okay, speaking of plugging your nose, that's a good time to take a quick break here. And when we come (laughs) back, we're going to be talking about Canadians' reaction to the ethics commissioner and really whether they give a darn. Right back after this. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. And Steve Drew filling in for Alex Pearson. Pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. They are bringing this chapter of counterpoint to you and we have anthony fury from the sun and dan mctague who knows everything about politics because he was an mp and he now he knows everything about gas and let's just talk about that gas not about the hot air gas that we saw yesterday we're going to be seeing for the next 40 days let's talk about gas in um in canada because there was uh, a big deal last week a lot of people don't know about it uh um well I'm talking about you first uh, dan that the government did not show up in court to defend its decision to uh, issue permits for the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Uh, And therefore, the Native groups uh, won the right to uh, have a review of that because, 
as the judge said, well, when the government's not here to defend their own decision, and I have said in the National Post that it's because Trudeau didn't want to be seen as pro or against. But there's something going else with uh, with gas. Mm-hmm. I'm told by the experts, and you're one of the experts, Dan, although I've heard it from other experts, that clean air regulations are going to come into place and the gas price of gas is going to go sky high. Uh, clean fuel standard is uh, already in the uh, in the works. The government has only to really uh, formalize it in terms of the regulatory framework and that uh, is likely to lead to a circumstance where um, the, the existing refineries that we have in this country are probably going to make a decision uh, either to meet this standard or simply shut down. Um, we have they shut to, down, what are our options? Well, we be? just get it from the United States and we pay an extra 15 cents a litre from the get-go and then much higher. So I understand what the clean fuel standard is. It's to achieve a standard to ensure that uh, the amount of uh, greenhouse gas that's emitted either in producing, uh, refining gasoline, or in the use uh, of, at your vehicle level uh, diminishes by X percent. Usually they want to meet, that's part of their Paris target uh, accord that they've signed back in 2016. The problem is that there is no jurisdiction in the world that mandates, anywhere in, in the world, mandates refineries uh, achieve such an objective. And while everyone's saying, hey, I don't care, we can all drive electric vehicles and whatnot, the reality is that uh, refineries don't just produce gas they produce your jet fuel, your diesel fuel, and, of course, your petrochemical industry, which is worth tens of billions of dollars to the Canadian economy. Anthony Fury, let's bring you in on this thing, because you always know about these issues. And I was a bit surprised by it. It's already in the bag. It's, it's going to be after the next election. Um, were you aware of that? Have you written about it? No, not particularly, and I wasn't particularly aware of it. So it's one of those sleeper things that... Uh, you know, I guess industry clued into a little sooner than than everyone else because, of course, it it affects them, and then those documents start doing the rounds. But but it certainly affects all consumers, and I don't think all consumers are aware of this. And, and I think more broadly speaking, you know, it's an issue that that we need to have the national conversation over. You know, a few First Nations groups are are getting basically veto power over whether or not there's new pipelines, even though way more First Nations uh, groups actually want that pipeline. That we're going to be to Dan's point. Uh, revising industry standards such that they may shut down and we're only going to have U.S. options. I mean, what is going on here? Are we going to be a serious country or not? Are we going to be a so, seven nation or not? So why isn't that an issue? I put it to both of you. Why isn't that an issue in this election? Or, or it may be, but I mean, I haven't heard about this uh, this initiative of the government. And you'd think that, not the Greens... But the Tories would be out there criticizing it. Well, I think they have. There's a lot of issues in which you can sink your teeth into, but it's hard to do that when you're trying to convince people that uh, life is going to be a lot more expensive and the cost of living is going to go through the roof. One, we got the, you know, we got the hit with the rebate, but also the 307 bucks. Everybody seems to be happy with that. What they don't realize is that their natural gas and other costs that are secondary, things like, for instance, uh, going to the grocery store, uh, or for that matter, manufacturing, leaving Canada, what we call uh, carbon leakage, uh, that kind of thing has an impact on uh, the country's uh, economic robustness, as well as our ability to make ends meet. So a colder winter, which we're seeing already, or potentially yep. down the road, could lead to uh, much higher prices uh, and, of course, uh, will lead to uh, with the government increasing the uh, the carbon tax, and then on top of that layering it with the, you know, with this sort of stealth tax, call it what it is, the clean fuel standard, you're likely to see prices skyrocket. And, of course, we got a glimpse of that last week when we saw the government uh, denying, but having to acknowledge that it's going to have to likely go to 130 bucks uh, a ton, which could mean uh, gas prices moving up 30 cents a liter, uh, oil, uh, diesel, maybe 40 cents a liter. These things don't just happen to fall out of the sky. We all know that uh, most people are having a hard time making ends meet. So affordability is right front and center. Anthony, do you think that could be the campaign issue? The ballot issue? No, it won't because 
the environmental agenda has so framed the conversation, and I know conservative voices are very kind of cagey and tricky about how they talk about it. Maxine Bernie has said flat out he's decided federal government really should be having nothing to do with any of this. And he just says no carbon tax, you know, no nothing. Uh, otherwise, you know, Andrew Shearer and others are, are trying to sort of have their cake and eat it too. Look, looking back like 300 years from now, uh, the history books are going to look at this era like we look at uh, the Malthusian era where they said, okay, we have to have mass population control because, you know, we're not going to be able to feed ourselves and so forth. We're in a very similar period right now. And you, you read some of these things that are going on and and then this now world tour of, uh, of, of the, the, the teenage girl, Miss Thurnberg, and so forth. I mean, this is all just really, really wild stuff. And it's, it's <laughs> there's such a disproportionality to it. And yet, if you try to take a moderate approach, you're somehow vilified for it all. It's, we're living in very odd times, and I think Andrew Scheer should put his foot down, but uh, he's not going to. I think that's a very good phrase. Is there is a disproportionality to it, and I think you're absolutely right on that. But you know, so then <laughs> tell me why Maxime Bernier would go after that 16-year-old who uh, who came over in her boat. Yeah, Can I either of you explain that to me? I, I don't know. Uh, look, uh, she is the face of uh, of climate change. Uh, she is. So why uh, would he t- so he went after her personally though? Well, I think it's because so much attention has been paid to her that it, it, there, it there's some kind of disconnect. I think between uh, what she represents and what is being advocated that she represents. I think that's critical. I mean, great, wonderful. Take a trip across the Atlantic, make sure there's no hurricanes, yeah. uh, you know, and do these things. Why do you need to come out and say that? Well, I think for a lot of reasons. For what re- Anthony has right, rightly pointed out. There has been a shift in the public's way of thinking. We've Our children are being taught that uh, the world is coming to an end in 12 years. Uh, and so her commentary is, I think, uh, resonating with those who believe that uh, we're not doing enough, even though this is a country that is doing far more than most other countries. But for most people, it's not enough. I guess I come back How to who's funding the, this stuff. The sky is falling. Yeah, well, that's it. The sky is falling. And uh, But I come back. One of the things we never hear in this country is how do all these organizations get funded? And there's all sorts of theories well, and things they like come, that. But, they get funded by Ameri- rich Americans no, who no, it's easier than that. It's much easier. It's called the post postcode um, uh, postal code uh, lottery in Europe. It's run by a Russian, and it's multi billions of dollars, and that's being funneled into the WWF tides. Uh, Clinton Foundation, take your pick. It's quite interesting because not a lot of discussion has happened around that. I want to know okay. why money is being spent internationally and blocking my resources from getting to market. It doesn't well, seem well, to be happening elsewhere. Anthony? Hold on. It, it, it's also being funded by our tax dollars because, you know, True. academia and, and a lot of the sort of public sector institutions are jumping on board with this, and they are the big promoters uh, of all of this here and, and sort of fanning that disproportionality. That's right, except they don't recognize that by destroying and undermining the very things that create wealth in this country, such as our energy sector, you're actually undermining your ability to pay for those people. So people, when they read and when they you know, listen to us and they you know, listen to uh, TV, they sit there and say, well, what's, what's the truth? What is the truth? And it's, it's very complex. Anthony? But, but but I would say, you know, on this issue, I think what the truth is, and this harkens back to your time in politics, not too many years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago or so, uh, that, you know, we used to not immediately think that government had to be the, the one stop uh, and first stop solution to all of our problems. Right. You know, I remember when I was in school, environmentalism by school, you know, I mean, elementary school, small town Ontario, we'd walk around, they teach us about this and that. And it was about how you personally can be a steward for your environment and your community groups and so forth. Now we, we've lost uh, a lot of that. Neil Ferguson has a great book, one of his shorter books, most of his books are like a thousand pages, called The Great Degeneration, where he talks about the erosion of civil society and how 
uh, community groups and individuals and faith groups no longer feel they have the ability to play a leading role in society. So instead we say, what will government do? And then there's one blunt magic instrument, and it's a carbon tax. So <laughs> Conform or be cast out, rush. In the world. You know, Gerald Butts, who's the, probably one of the smartest people who's ever been born in all of humanity, and he ascends to the prime minister's office, and his great genius cobbles together a tax something that any of us could have pulled out of our rears with just uh, two seconds of thought. Really bizarre stuff going on. Very well, bizarre and very bizarre. costly. And very costly. Look what happened in Ontario. I think this is going to hit people now during this campaign. We may not see it. We may not necessarily feel it. But I think by the end of this campaign, people are going to take a very serious look at their wallet. I think that's going to be the issue of the campaign. Uh, however we got to this point, the reality, I think, is that we're in, in real trouble as far as most consumers and most manufacturing business are concerned. And Retailers down be, 3%. And Dan McTagg, that could be the issue of the campaign. If people think that we're in real, real trouble, uh, Anthony Fury, Dan take thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Always good. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Take care. And then we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Stuart Bell is going to be here. We're going to be talking about an amazing story. It's actually a good news story about uh, Iran getting its comeuppance. Right back after this. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.